are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? Welcome to a live edition of Power to the Pod here on a Friday afternoon or uh, happy hour window, a.k.a. group therapy session time for Miami Dolphins fans here on Power to the Pod. We got Tom in the comments section live on YouTube from the UK. Good evening to you, Tom. I'm sure you're excited about uh, the opportunity next week for the Dolphins to hop over across the pond and give it their best shot against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Sebastian, I'm sure you speak for uh, many Dolphins fans everywhere, myself included. Uh, quote, I've been in shambles for the last few weeks. Uh, you and me both. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to hang out on a Friday happy hour window, getting ready to start the weekend. Dolphins play the Bucks this weekend. The injury report has been put out. Uh, lots of reviews uh, of the podcast with some questions, courtesy of Power to the Pod. And uh, we're just going to kind of, talk this thing through, right? It's a good catch-up opportunity uh, for a lot of you guys who are in the YouTube channel live, Locked on Dolphins. Make sure you like the video, hit subscribe. Or if you're listening to this as it drops on the podcast feed, just keep doing what you're doing. If you're not interested in video, no problem there. Uh, let's let's start with the injury report. Uh, Devontae Parker, questionable. With shoulder and hamstring, reportedly the hamstring is, is what is giving him troubles. Uh, Xavier Howard, full participant on Friday. Brandon Jones, full participant on Friday. Byron Jones, full participant on Friday. Greg Manns, full participant on Friday. Adam Shaheen, full participant on Friday. The only player whose status is questionable at this point, aside of the guys on IR, is Devontae Parker. It sounds like we're going to get Raekwon Davis back this week. Great. You know, because we here on Locked on Dolphins, we've taken off the playoffs hat. And we're looking at this thing through the scope of player evaluation and team evaluation and coach evaluation and per player personnel evaluation, so on and so forth. So getting to see more of Raekwon is going to be very helpful for us as we continue to try to assess what we have here and ask ourselves some hard questions. And it sounds like he'll be back against the Bucks. Obviously, Tua is aligned. Uh, this will be the third game that he misses uh, potentially get him back for Jacksonville. It sounds like he is on track to do so. On the Tampa Bay side of things, this is a real bummer. Rob Gronkowski is out with ribs. Um, obviously, you don't want players to be hurt, but it sure was nice to have that Gronkowski doesn't have the angle joke tucked in my back pocket for some time on game day, uh, knowing I'm not going to get to use it Oh well. Wish Rob uh, the best in his recovery. Uh, Patrick O'Connor also out with a calf. Antoine Winfield out. Uh, Giovanni Bernard, Jamil Dean, and Jason Pierre-Paul questionable for Sunday. Dolphins Bucks. Um, I'm not going to get too into the weeds on uh, the X's and O's of Tampa Bay. I think our expectations should be pretty tempered here. I think this team is going to be up and ready to play it's it, we just are going to have to be pretty concerned about the execution and that is at the end of the day uh what brian flores says that this team's root issue was against indianapolis and if you're not going to can 
conduct your execution against a, a 0-3 Indianapolis Colts team that was missing a third of their starting lineup. I see little reason to think that you're going to magically flip the switch and play the super defending Super Bowl champs uh, and get the execution side of the game down overnight. Um, and that's an indictment of the players that are on the field that are not executing. That's an indictment of the coaches that are in place. It's a little bit of an indictment of everybody, uh, to be completely honest. So we'll we'll see how Sunday goes. Uh, my expectations are not high, uh, as you can probably tell by listening to me uh, talk. We're going to switch gears uh, and head to some iTunes reviews. I do see a bunch of you in the comments as well. Uh, give a couple of you guys uh, a shout out. Ben wants me to talk you off the edge. Hope you listen to the, the uh, show with Joe Rose earlier today because this, uh, this this is the horse we rode in on. And this is the group that, generally speaking, that we have for this year. And, of course, hindsight being 2020, uh, there's things you do differently. Uh, thinking objectively, uh, it is not a good place to be to not have your starting quarterback for the first month of the season, and those are places the Dolphins find themselves in. That's why I'm shifting around and uh, focusing on the evaluation side of things. Uh, Brad, thanks for the content. Be in London cheering on the guys. It should be fun. Uh, obviously, Jacksonville is not some insurmountable hurdle, um, but we'll we'll put that game under the microscope with Tua presumably coming back um, and kind of dig in next week. Jack wants to know, with Gronk and Winfield out, who's playing safety for the Bucks? You said it, not me. Mr. Bailey with a review of the show. Kyle, I asked you a question in the Dolphins AMA this summer about youth and inexperience on the offensive line impeding progress in other phases. At the time, you answered that the offensive line is still a mystery, and if they totally flop, then our offense goes back to the 10-yard box we were stuck in last year. It's evident that this fear is materialized, but why do you see a way that we can... But do you see a way that we can still stretch the field even if the line play being as bad as it is? I really want to see Tua let it fly when he gets back. And after all, we don't need to lose. We don't have a lot to lose at this point and need to see what he's capable of. Yes, we do. Uh, which is why my primary objective when Tua comes back, the number one thing that I want to see is I want to see the Dolphins run the offense with the play calling that has existed the last two weeks with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, I want to see more of that offense when two is on the field because the RPO stuff that they were doing, yes, I understand. It accentuates what two is best at in the mesh point, in real time, at the snap, identifying an individual defender and making a decision to make that player wrong. But the Buffalo Bills kind of threw the kitchen sink at you and said, we're going to crowd your receivers. We're going to cap that in-breaking route. We're going to bring an extra body to the side of the back, and we're going to blitz the hell out of you until you get out of get us out of it by beating us. And that game plan didn't have a lot of success in, in doing any of that. So we have seen this offense go to more traditional multiple tight ends and heavy blocking sets and bigger blocking surfaces and max protect with two- and three-man route releases like the wide-open, deep cross that Jalen Waddle was running that Jacoby Brissett passed up for no apparent reason whatsoever. So, like, that's the kind of stuff, like, yes, we can take some shots, but we're going to have to max protect. We're going to be in more 12 personnel. And let's be honest, this wide receiver room is banged up again already. Devontae Parker's questionable, right? We traded Jakeem Grant. Who knows what we're going to get in Preston Williams? 
I don't think it's that big of a deal. Albert Wilson's been invisible, despite having a phenomenal training camp. Totally invisible. Will Fuller on IR. Go with the two tight ends. It's, you kept five tight ends. Great. Use them. Max protects the shit out of it. Excuse my French. Would like to see more 12. Deep shot play action passing. Running that deep over route. Tua hit that waddle with that like 18 million times during their time together at Alabama. So uh, I think there is Max protect. I didn't think the offensive line was especially bad. Austin Jackson did not play well. Uh, but I did not think the offensive line in general was especially bad against Colts. To a magic, Kyle, who have you identified as the main culprits for our poor run defense through four weeks? It's a little bit of everybody, uh, in my opinion. Kind of watching the interior defensive line, and, and obviously Wilkins and Sealer have been phenomenal early on this season. Jenkins playing a bigger role than, than we expected he would. I thought later in games he's gotten worked out of gaps a couple times. The big touchdown run that Jonathan Taylor had against the Colts, I thought uh, he let himself get hooked a little bit, and it created the really big void and gap. These guys on the edge, man, are tough too. Uh, Van Ginkle, Baker, you know, they're not big guys. And, and as I'm evaluating this team, I'm looking across the landscape of college football and draft prospects and I think the hybrid linebacker position, that that Van Ginkle type role, uh, and they move Baker around a lot, so he's he can play stack, he can play overhang, he can play will, like he can be mugged up in an interior gap and bring pr pressure that way, or he can walk up on the outside and be the man on line scrimmage. Whoever that is, um, I think that's an area that there are some exciting opportunities. Uh, to find players that could potentially fill that. Brandon Smith uh, from Penn State, uh, number 12, is a good example of that kind of player. If you're interested, they use him a lot in cover three drops, which Van Ginkle hasn't particularly looked good in, in my opinion, in, in his zone drops thus far this season. So I look at those end men on the line of scrimmage, those hybrid linebacker types, and I also look at, at who's in there for Raekwon Davis right now, and I think those are two spots that uh, uh, you could probably afford to have a little bit more consistent performance. Uh, lawn law and order NRV thought it was lawn order at first. Sorry, my guy trading Jakeem. Now what is going on with this team? Yes, we all want Jakeem gone and I'm glad they got something for him, but this does nothing to solve the major, major issues we have. Can we make some serious changes to the real issues? And I hear you. And I, I'm sure everybody who's watching this right now or listening to this podcast feed is going to agree with you. But my question is what significant change are you hoping that they're making? If it's firing a coach, okay, we can have that conversation. If you're one of those people, and apparently this is some weirdly divisive topic, if you feel like if Jacoby Brissett's going to be out there executing the offense like a rookie who doesn't know what throws he can and can't make, you might as well put the young guy in there that's a little bit more athletic and see what he can do. If that's a conversation you want to entertain, I have no idea why that's controversial at all people making passive-aggressive comments that I went on the Joe Rose show on Thursday morning when I wasn't even asked about the quarterback situation and had something to say about it. Wasn't asked. Then we can have that conversation. But, like, from a personnel perspective, like Mitchell Schwartz, everybody always wants to point to Mitchell Schwartz. Sounds like he's still recovering from back procedure this offseason. There's not good available offensive linemen lying around. And I think the fact that you're watching Jermaine Illuminor go somewhere else and perform at a high level 
and Eric Flowers go back to Washington and perform at a higher level than he performed with Miami last year, that's an indictment of the people that you have coaching that group. And that's a testament to like, okay, you got a first-year offensive line coach, and it's your fourth offensive line coach in three years. Now, I don't know if Dante Skarniecki is coming out of retirement if you call him up to coach this offensive line at this point in time. But, like, I agree, trading Jakeem Grant doesn't fix anything. But that goes back to the you're kind of stuck on the horse you rode in on for this year. And I don't know what kind of major, massive, earth-shattering event that you're going to have up front on the offensive line that's going to address anything. Uh, that that the Dolphins are struggling with. We're back and better than ever. All eyes on the gridiron as teams are back for yet another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college action this season. With a new updated site and interface with even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, where the game starts. Let me get a couple questions from the live stream in here, and then I'm guys remind me in the chat to talk about the Cleveland Browns, uh, please. If I if we don't get there, um, John, being real. How many points will we need to put up to be consider this a success? Um, presumably, we're talking about against Tampa Bay. And Winfield being out helps Miami's cause. Uh, they are banged up in the secondary pretty significantly. If Devontae Parker plays, man, like those balls that you're throwing in the fourth quarter when you're down 17 points, like throw those in the first quarter. What do you have to lose? If anything, hope Devontae Parker can turn into a defender if it's not well-timed and try to take advantage of some mismatches on the outside. I think if you scored 24 against Tampa Bay, you did a phenomenal job. New England scored 17. I think it was 1917 was the final score in that game. If you get up over 20, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I look at Tampa and what they have with Vita Vey and Dominic and Sue up front, and it's going to be a long day. Good news, uh, they're best at defending the run, and Miami just doesn't run the football. So. Take that for what it's worth. Mike, what's up, man? New Dolphins Wire interim editor. Keep up the great work. Have really been enjoying the pods. Incredibly impressed. Folks, Mike is the gentleman who has taken the reins over a Dolphins Wire and, and making sure you are getting your daily fix of content, written content. Um, it's been a bit of a change this week. This is obviously my first week away from Dolphins Wire. Uh, personal decision and... Uh, work-life balance and time management and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I have been really enjoying the content that I've been seeing, Mike. So it's good to hear from you. And thanks for checking out the podcast. Here we go. Co Barney. Man just got home from work and locked on Dolphins. Life's good. Tell me something good, Kyle, about the Finns, please. Uh, your pass rush, your outside pass rush group looks pretty solid. If you want something good, Jalen Phillips and Emmanuel Agba, they're looking the part. Now, I do think this is kind of an evolution opportunity for the Dolphins. They still continue to be one of these really blitz-heavy, aggressive teams. If you're going to let these guys off the leash, 
right? You're going to say, hey, just go go get the quarterback and go hunt. And they're not going to blitz as often. I think, you know, if, if they continue to have the success that they've had the last couple of weeks, it's going to afford you some opportunities to kind of take away a lot of those intermediate, deeper routes uh, running across the field that gave you fits last year early in the season uh, that have kind of resulted in some, some critical conversions, uh, whether it was the Brian Edwards throw in overtime and obviously Brandon Jones and Sammy Guavin, uh, who was surprised to see him out there, honestly, in coverage on that play uh, against the Raiders in overtime or the uh, one of the backbreaking conversions uh, that that they came out, the Colts came out and hit late in that game when Miami's trying to climb back in. If you can congest those by having extra bodies that you don't have to send on the rush, I think it might be able to help you help your cause a little bit. So um, that's one area that I am highly encouraged by. Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer, too, up front, you know, interior run defense with those two guys. Uh, like to see what they've been showing early on. Oh, Pat, do you think only dads are streaming at 5.30 p.m. on a Friday? Probably. Listen, it's happy hour. My wife came home from work. She took the baby, poured myself a bourbon. I'm living the good life on a Friday afternoon. We got college football this evening, sitting here chatting with some Dolphins fans, getting a little group therapy session in uh, along with Zachary. I said, hashtag thanks Dolphins. Uh, I am also said. Karen, Karun, Kyle, how do you handle the Dolphins losing in your life outside football without getting depressed? Looking for three th free therapy sessions. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat, honestly, as far as temperament after a loss that uh, I had to chuckle hearing Joe Rose talk about it three weeks ago when we had him on. He says, I take these things way too hard, man. And yeah, same. It, it's, it's a real buzzkill, but I, I do think, my own self-preservation. Here's a good chance for me to talk about the Cleveland Browns, which is one, what I asked you guys to remind me of if I didn't get there. What I am doing is trying to keep perspective on a lot of the really popular rebuilds, and not just in football either. I think the Philadelphia 76ers with the process, right? Uh, I know that's kind of a sore subject, not a sore subject, but uh, uh, induces eye rolls from Miami fans, right? Because of the Miami Heat and their rebuild without having to go through the process and sucking for two, three years. And the Sashi Brown-led Cleveland Browns of 2015 and 2016. And both of those franchises, both of them, and they, they are probably the two rebuilds that I would draw the most close parallels to what happened here in Miami with the Dolphins with how they shredded the roster and tore it all the way down and built up assets and so on and so forth. We're not in the same chapters of these respective rebuilds. But the Philadelphia 76ers were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference last year. Now, Ben Simmons refuses to shoot the ball. There's flaws on the roster, right? The Cleveland Browns are one of the most complete rosters from top to bottom. There's still hope for this. It's, it's not advancing methodically in the way in which we hoped and thought it would. Um, but I would ask Dolphins fans to bear in mind, in both of those rebuild situations, the original engineer, Sam Hinkie for the Philadelphia 76ers and Sashi Brown for the Cleveland Browns, those guys got fired before the job was done. Right? So everybody was kind of hopeful this regime installed in its entirety uh, 
could get this thing turned around. It's not necessarily what, uh, what we're seeing happen. But that doesn't mean if change is facilitated somewhere in the hierarchy that you can't see the foundation that has been set. And I look at all the young players that are on the roster, and there is still development to be had, but not necessarily in time to save the jobs of those in question. And all the salary cap space that you have and the future assets that you have still compiled that's still in excess of an average team. And if you make a change and whoever your next decision is comes in, and in the Browns case, it was John Dorsey. If he comes in, that next person, assuming a change has to take place, if that happens, you could three years from now be reaping the benefits of that. And nobody's going to remember the setback year in 2021. Of course, that's an optimistic outlook. And that's how I try to live my life because going back to the free therapy sessions, and this is effectively what that is, uh, we, we're not in control of any of them, right? We got to be honest about that. We know what our opinions are. I know what my opinion is on how it should go. Um, I've been doing draft coverage for a really long time, and I know when they've made some of these picks, it wasn't who I would have picked, but it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense at this point in time to sit here and hop up on the fence and talk about who you should have taken based on what my opinion was two years ago, because that doesn't help this situation. All that does is make people feel depressed and frustrated by it. So I think that perspective is why I'm in evaluation mode already. Uh, thinking about the Cleveland Browns and the evolution of their big rebuilding project and how that didn't go to plan because the guy in charge got fired two and a half years in or whatever it was. So I'm not sitting here telling you that things are going to be honky-dory in 2021, but I'm also not going to tell you that all is lost either for the rebuild's perspective. Pat, can we talk for a minute about how San Francisco is on the verge of collapsing this season? Lance doesn't look great, and the defense is suspect. Yes, so this is a great point, and David had pointed out that the Eagles have our first-round pick, which is accurate, but San Francisco 2-2, two and two, they're playing the undefeated Arizona Cardinals this weekend. Trey Lance, quarterback's going to start. Uh, I think he completed 50% of his passes last week when he came into the game. George Kittle, I believe, is doubtful. For this week, the secondary is suspect. The Rams look phenomenal. The Cardinals are undefeated. San Francisco's not in a real great spot, uh, if we're being completely honest. So neither is Miami. Uh, I know Miami's schedule from this point out, from a strength of schedule perspective, is the easiest in the NFL. I would not be surprised if these picks are very close together when it's all said and done. And right now, I'm sure... A lot of you guys feel this way because it's how I feel. It doesn't feel like the Dolphins are going to another win another damn game this season, right? It's like three in a row. It feels like it's been forever. It feels like nothing's going right. They're going to win some games. I still think they're probably going to challenge you know, seven. The absolute best case scenario, Tua comes back gangbusters. You might win nine games. I think the hole is going to be too big. Maybe they pull a miracle against Tampa Bay. Who knows? Not expecting it, but who knows? And uh, I think these these two picks are going to be pretty narrow, to be honest with you. Built Bar's protein bar tastes like a candy bar. 
top of the first round. These things are delicious. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They got 100% chocolate on all their bars. Nine different delicious flavors for you to choose from. Right now, you can visit BillBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and save 15% off your next order. That's BillBar.com, promo code LOCKED15, to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. Hey, got a little off-topic question. Why do you hate Wake Forest? Only Wake fan in existence. You know why I hate Wake Forest? Kyle? Because I took him on the Money Down Gambling Show that we have on Saturday mornings for a two-unit bet past week, and I had him at minus six. And they were up seven points with three minutes left, and they gave up a 75-yard touchdown run to allow the game to get tied, and then they only kicked the field goal, so they cost me two units last weekend when I bet on Wake Forest. So that's why I hate Wake Forest. Joshua. Why aren't we playing more man if our secondary is so good? Receivers have a lot of space out there. I wish I had a good answer to this. I don't know exactly what the distribution is of man versus zone. I believe the Dolphins last year ran, I think it was like 55, 56% of the time they were in man coverage. Um, I will say this. Some of the offenses that you have faced have presented some challenging personnel issues uh the raiders gruden they do a really good job of manufacturing uh, matchups and putting guys in motion and understanding what a defense is going to change in their secondary if you do send a guy in motion and uh, that makes it really hard to kind of lock guys up across the board if they're in a lot of tight condensed sets and they have guys moving at the snap and all things we should honestly be hoping to see the dolphins do as much as possible because it does present those challenges. Uh, the Colts were in a little different boat uh, because of how run-heavy they are as an offense. Uh, so, so you didn't see a lot of Brandon Jones, as an example. I think he only played two snaps this past week. There's no, There are no games on this schedule in which Brandon Jones should only be playing two snaps. Period. It's kind of the tough challenge of Miami being a chameleon and and – trying to, to match the strengths of every team every week. At some point, like, your best players just got to stay on the field. I, I don't need to see Brennan Scarlett play 40 snaps. I don't. I need to see Jalen Phillips and Emmanuel Logba and Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins. I need to see those dudes up front. So I understand Colts are a run-heavy team. You want more run-heavy guys. Scarlett falls into that bucket. Scarlett's a quality depth player in the NFL. You shouldn't be playing 40% of your, uh, your defensive snaps in any situation, in my opinion, unless somebody's hurt. Jeff with a question. Kyle, any free agent at any position that is out there that you would want the Dolphins to sign, open to all positions inspired by the big two releases this, this week and not beating the offensive line dead horse. Um, probably not. Let me check. This is why I don't do the, these kind of questions live because now I got to pull up the current free agents available list and see who is on it, uh, which is not an easy thing to do in real time. So I'll come back uh, to this question. And I'm going to read another iTunes review. Timmy time. 
Love the pod and listen every day. I have a couple questions. couple questions. All right. Let's see which one's the most compelling one. Do you see a benefit for left tackles to start their career career in the NFL at left guard like Laramie Tunsil did? That's not a bad question. And do you think that was why they wanted to start Liam there? Or was that just a good situation for a top five draft pick that slid to Miami in Laramie Tunsil uh, to wait behind Brandon Albert? It's kind of one question with multiple parts. My second question, do you think that offenses are geared towards right-handed quarterbacks and it's hard for lefties to adjust to this? Would having a guy like Steve Young or even Michael Vick around to help give insightful advice to Tua help out? No, I, I don't think so because all it really does is it kind of flips the strength around on its head. Uh, as far as the offensive line, from my memory, Tunsil was a, strictly a best player available pick that they couldn't help themselves when he made it to them on the board and they felt comfortable with the risk that was in place. Uh, and they found a spot for him to start right away. Liam Eikenberg, you know, his original objective was to start at right tackle. He spent minicamp at right tackle. And then Solomon Kinley shows up and they didn't like where he was from a weight perspective. So they bumped him out and put Liam over there at left guard and started the cross training process. And uh, there's a lot of people that I respect. Uh, from an offensive line evaluation standpoint, who are not crazy about the idea of having a rookie. And Alex Leatherwood's now doing this with the Raiders. And it got some kickback. That are you really going to ask a guy to learn multiple spots? Because that is uh, really ambitious to do. And that's asking a lot of a position in general that already has a tough transition um, to the pro level. And I don't think you have to look any further than Penny Sewell, right? Because Penny Sewell, everybody uh, remembers how good Penny Sewell was in that first game of the season. But Penny Sewell, if my memory serves me correctly, has, has conceded uh, 17 pressures through the first month of the season, uh, which is more than Liam Eikenberg. It's three less than Austin Jackson. Now, granted, he played an extra game than Austin Jackson, but I think it's the second highest total for a rookie offensive line. It's hard, man. And even them, they played him on the right side before they kicked him back over to the left side after Taylor Decker got hurt. And Dolphins fans, I know a bunch of them were saying, man, this, this offensive line struggles are the evidence that you know we should have taken Penny Sewell instead of Jalen Waddell. Well, Penny Sewell has given up more pressures than Lee Meikenberg has this season. It's hard, and both of those guys were, were kind of put through the musical chairs gambit. It's not an easy task. So my personal standpoint is if you're going to draft a guy to play there, put him there, let him play there, let him learn the spot, and don't ask him to cross-train him. I understand you want him to understand the assignments of the player next to him, but that's that's a tall order. So, yeah, Penny Sewell, uh, 180 snaps in the passing game he's given up 17 pressures uh three penalties and uh, two sacks conceded liam is three sacks i think 12 pressures or something like that so this original question was is there anybody that's out there in free agency that you would advocate for the dolphins to sign i'm sitting here scrolling through uh, spottrack.com to see some of the players that are available. Okay, so some of the players that are still out there. And I'm just kind of reading prominent names. Center Kyle, Kyle Fuller, Seattle Seahawks. 
kind of a size guy on the offensive line. I, I, I'm more interested in tackles specifically. I don't know what's Russell Okun doing. Like, do you want to kick the tires on him? I didn't think he was particularly good uh, last year. Um, and I'm sure some of these guys are on practice squads, and it's just kind of in one ear and out the other. Because as an example, it has Austin Ryder listed as a uh, unsigned player. I like the addition of Ryder, honestly. Uh, I think he's uh, a reasonable if, – if you had to play him, I think you'd be okay. So this is a really tough question for where we are at this point in time because everybody's you know, there's expanded practice squads. There's less less free agents. There's less guys out on the street just waiting for a phone call and a job because teams, because of COVID protocols, they've got all these guys kind of under lock and key, and there's X number of spots on your practice squad that you you are not restricted to having under X number of years of tenure in the league. So there's guys that, that would be like top-shelf street free agents that are on somebody's practice squad right now because teams want to have them in-house in case there's an issue, um, which makes free agency this year even more challenging than a normal year. Let's get a couple more here. Pat, I'm an animal person. I don't own any ferrets. Here we go. Question from Ohio John. Matt Collins has been consistent on special teams. What is stopping him from getting a chance to contribute as a receiver. Well, I go back to my personal college evaluation of Mac at North Carolina. Stud on special teams there too. Uh, a four-five guy tracks the ball well down the field, but he is generally speaking more of a straight line athlete. And he had success when he was playing at North Carolina, running balls down down the field. Um, I think if you put him in the pecking order of the Dolphins wide receivers, he's probably he's definitely behind Devontae Parker for that style of receiver. And he's probably behind Preston Williams just from a receiving aspect, assuming Preston is healthy, which is a little bit of an assumption to make. So I think we'll get we'll get our best look at Mac Hollins as a receiver. This year drops in consistency with his hands has been a little bit of an issue. Um, throughout the course of his entire career. Um, so we'll see. Kyle, question. Dolphins fan living in Tampa, should I turn my fan card in for refusing to go watch Jacoby stink, up, stink it up in the sun this week? Please say yes. No. I think every Dolphins fan has a right to process missed expectations in their own right. And for me, I'm going to watch the game, but I'm watching the game with zero expectations. I'm just watching the game to evaluate the players, and then obviously we'll get the All-22 up on the screen over here after the game, and we'll kind of break down who did things right, who did things wrong, and continue to kind of search for execution perspective, who are the guys on the field that uh, are the biggest root of the issue. So if you don't want to go sit out in the sun and bake – if you're from Florida, bless you, man. I'm up here in Delaware, and it's freezing cold already and not enjoyable to sit outside at all. If you get a bunch of sun anyway and you don't feel compelled to go get a little extra sun and sit in the plastic seats or whatever, good for you. And good for you for tuning in and checking out Power to the Pod, the live stream. Uh, make sure you hit like on this video or subscribe to the channel if you enjoy kind of these interactive sessions. We try to do at least one a week. Uh, I promise 
We'll be a little bit more frequent with the streams next week than we were this week. This was very much a licking of the wounds that I was traveling last week. So um, getting back into the swing of things here at home was a little bit more of a challenge than it usually is after a Dolphins game. So thanks to everybody who's tuning in on the podcast feed as well. Make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs. Hope you guys enjoy your Friday college football tonight. Enjoy the weekend. We're going to talk after the Dolphins-Bucks game on Sunday. And hopefully we have some good things to say. We'll see. We're going to continue to evaluate this team because that's all we can do. As we said, this is the horse they rode into this season on. We're going to see how they can make the most of those opportunities. Cheers. Have a good one. Fins up.